Blog Talk Radio. here in New York, and along with me in California is Mr. Jay Logan. Hello, Jay. How are you? I am doing great out here in sunny California so far. <laughs> Cold, but it's sunny. So, well, it's overcast here in New York, but it's not raining, at least not yet. And it's a beautiful day. It's The Yankees are losing to Boston, and Boston, that is not cool but there was just a base hit. But we're not watching the game right now. We're hosting a beautiful show about about the relationship that people have with their parents and their children when it comes to music. Therefore, parents, kids, music. And we have a great show today. We have at least two guests today who will be sharing with us their experiences of listening to music growing up and and the legacies that they've left as a result of that. And it's going to be exciting, Jay. So, Jay, music-wise, what's exciting in your world? Oh, um, well, right now um, I've been doing these little kids' uh, shows, doing models. They're like little models. And so I've been preparing music for them, and one of them is really gifted. And so I'm, I'm working on kids' music. <laughs> and apparently uh, our show is about kids. So what I'm doing is I'm taking these little kids, they're like 11 and 10 and 9, and I'm kind of teaching them how to sing. And that's been very exciting. Every Sunday after church, I go and I kind of get scoop them all together, and I, I teach them how to sing after their modeling class. So that's basically what I've been doing. It's kind of wonderful. Wow. So it's like you're like your own little arc music factory or something like that. Yeah, it's a music farm. Yeah, it's a music farm, you know, so we can keep the kids loving music and they're excited and, you know, they, you know, it's funny because when you look at them, they really think they're like little Beyonce's and, and, and little gifted, you know, Janet Jackson's and little Celine Dion's. You know, it's like funny, you know, and, and little Luther Vandross's and, and little, you know, uh, it's it's funny. It's funny to watch them, little Justin Bieber's and Tony Bennett. Wow. But they're, ba- they're little babies in the... They really, really enjoy it, and it's really it's, it's uplifting for me because I get to see how much the kids enjoy it, and it makes me enjoy watching them having fun. And also little my daughter is part of it, too. Hmm? Yeah, little Tony Bennett. Wow. It's, it's this one little guy, and he likes to uh, sing I Left My Heart in San Francisco, so we kind of, you know. That's <laughs> cute. Oh, well, it's funny, and then there's a couple of girls, they want to be, like, in Vogue, so we're going to make them into, like, a, a little in Vogue, and then they do their modeling shows, and then some of them sing uh, at their show, and it's cute. They're, like, you know, Tyra Banks, little babies, you know, they walk down, and they walk down the catwalk with their clothes, and, and they pose, and it's a great summer program, too, because, like, a lot of the kids have nothing to do, in, do for summer, so I've been working with them, and... Uh, and this production company, and just, you know, just on the strength and helping them out and doing the music that they're going to run, walk down the runway. So uh, it's been great, and that's been a fun thing to do. So I've been, been doing that, and that's basically what I've been doing, uh, helping the youth of the Bay Area become stars. <laughs> cool. Very cool. But you said you have your, your little Justin Bieber, and I think that that brings us to – this girl that you showed me on YouTube, tell me about her. Oh, yes. Um, if you guys get a chance, you can Google her. I haven't quite got her name, but it's pretty easy. Girl who looks like Justin Bieber, and she's singing about Justin Bieber, and it's it's been an uproar in the, on the Internet. It's been a little 
kind of a viral type of thing. Everybody's excited about her because she looks exactly like Justin Bieber. But she's a girl. And we posted her. We posted the video on our parents' kids' music group on Facebook. That's Facebook.com/slash Parents Kids Music. If you want to take a look at it. <laughs> and uh, she, she says, actually, she's uh, she's she doesn't sound. Luckily, she doesn't sound like Justin Bieber. She actually can sing. So, um, <laughs> Not saying that he can't, because he can. I like Justin Bieber too, so you know I think he can. He sings okay. So, um, but uh, wow, you know everybody's trying to look like Justin Bieber. I guess. I think I might grow some hair, and I might try to you know see if I can get my look like Justin Bieber. That hairstyle he has. Me too. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's amazing that you know. Um, Everybody's trying to look like him, and and as you see, Rebecca Black is trying to sing a duet, a duet with uh, Justin Bieber. You know, so she wants to sing a duet with him. I don't know if he responded. Uh, I don't know. I saw that on Good Morning America, but I actually saw some. I saw a someone posted a video on YouTube saying Rebecca Black meets Justin Bieber, and I went to it, and it, there was no Rebecca Black or Justin Bieber. There was just these kids doing all these cool beer pong tricks. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Speaking of Rebecca Black, I've uh, found out that the producer or the song, the songwriter who is in the actual video, who's rapping in a section of that song Friday, apologized for writing the lyrics. So it's kind of strange. That's crazy. Yes, yeah, crazy. He didn't know that the lyrics were going to be so uh, blasted online, so he actually apologized. He said he could have wrote better <laughs> lyrics, but you know. I think anything to get some social attention, I guess, you know. He, he didn't have to do that, you know, if, if, he, if he did that, but he didn't, if he did it, you know. But this is what I hear say is he got on the show and apologized for writing those, those lyrics, you know, tomorrow's Tuesday. Yes, and the, lyrics, Wednesday. the lyrics to a song that has become such a monster hit, I mean, you, I mean, when we first started, talked about it a few weeks ago, it had maybe like 16 million hits on YouTube. It's now close to like, what, like 88 million. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a small country. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Absolutely. I'm like, how many people, is that? Is it that many computers in the world, Ian? <laughs> I think it might be many people watching at the same time, but that's one third of this country. Exactly. Like, well, like there's about maybe like there's maybe about 300 million people in the United States, maybe a little more now, but 88 million, like almost 90, <laughs> almost 100 million people have watched this video. <laughs> You know, the smartest thing for her to do right now is find a great producer to write her a hit song because she has all this following. It'll be amazing. Right now, she should just come out with a new song that's great. It's a proven song, like even if it's a cover song, you know. Like I keep um, on hearing that, that she has, I keep on hearing she has a new song coming out in a new video. But it's I was reading about like the history of like people who like try to create a new video to follow up after they have this huge giant viral success are just usually just not, just don't, like, blow up like that. I guess it could be just like any hit song where it's like you have a hit single and then you come and try to come out with a second single, which this actually is what it is, then it just doesn't yeah, happen. I mean, the whole, yeah. Yeah? You know, this reminds me of, this reminds me of the opposite of Millie Vanelli. A little bit, because, you know, like like you said, like if you come out with another record and you really didn't sing your first record or if you, Really, people didn't enjoy your first record. The next album after it's pretty doesn't work. And I remember Millie Vanelli right. came out with another album, and it didn't work actually. But they weren't even singing on the first album, but yet they came out with another album, and the vocals were bad, kind of like this girl Rebecca Black, who unfortunately I heard her sing the national anthem in. And she didn't sound as bad. I think they put auto tune on her voice to make her sound bad and worse, or make her to make her sound a little bit like a robot. And that's what the people don't like because the auto tune took the feeling away. So she wasn't as bad live singing the national anthem. It wasn't as, as bad. 
So maybe they shouldn't have used auto-tune on their voice, the program. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right, Jay, I've got one question for you. What day is today? <laughs> today is Friday, and after Friday comes Saturday, and after yeah, it's Friday. It's Friday, and today we get to have, today we have this wonderful show, and we have our first guest. So, you ready to bring her on? Sure, that'd be wonderful. Excellent. All right, you're on the air. Welcome to Parents Kids Music. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. Welcome to Parents. Thank you. This is uh, Reverend Emily Simon. From Oakland, California. Hello, hello, Reverend. Hi, thank Hi. you for joining us. Thank you very much. How are you both doing today? It's a really nice day I'm... today here in New York. Well, it's and great it's... out here. Sort of waiting for my Giants to start playing their opening uh, season game, but I was looking for a song for a young person to sing as our Giants start today. <laughs> Parents, kids, music, baseball, it all works together. Right. I thought about taking me out to the ball game, but relative to the Giants only to become a winner in this Bay Area rather than the Yankees. Excuse me, Brother Ian. <laughs> It's all right. The Yankees are losing to Boston right now, 6-4, to four, but you can turn around. Don't worry. Okay. Well, we haven't started off with a great win. I think we're 2-4, and four, so we're still looking forward to getting this big win today. But I'm glad I got a You've got your home opener. You've got, you've got the pageantry of just, like, celebrating your world championship. Right. And I thought maybe on their first game they would have won, and at least the first game, but we're still expecting them to, to be the big winner at home today. We have a beautiful, beautiful, sunshiny day, so we're looking for a win. That's, that's, that's amazing. I'm not sure if you know that it's actually – I actually am the reason why the Giants won the World Series last year. Oh, okay. Since last year, I was in San Francisco with Jay, and he went to a Giants game, and they okay. won the World Series. The year before, just like every year, I went to a Yankees game, and the Yankees won the World Series. In 2008, I went to a home game in Philadelphia, and the Phillies won the World Series. Oh, so you're so, the ticket. You exactly. are the ticket. So, so oh if you want God. your people in the World Series, invite me to your city to a game. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, well, we're just praying that you will, you know, bring some good here to you. Fly out here to San Francisco and let's let's get us another win. That'd be wonderful. <laughs> I like that. That, that, may, that may just happen. All right. So, as, so turning the turning the um, stage back to music, tell us about your background, about the music that you listened to growing up, and how it's influenced you in your life as a reference and just as an adult. Well, the music I, I I tried to sing, but I wasn't a great singer. But I listened to mostly gospel hymns and different songs with the kind of upbeat. And we uh, in our home we had a vacation Bible school and a Bible school that we went to, and we learned a lot of different songs that were very wordy. You know, today. I think the young people that are singing, especially the young children, they are singing their songs is mostly music rather than words, which makes a statement. But growing up, we learned songs that really made a statement. You know, if the song was sung, I love you, I mean, we sung it with compassion and joy when we were sending that message to someone. So my parents gave us that Outlook on life to start singing gospel songs, mostly uh, love songs from the church, which really was an asset. And I think as growing up, it has helped me to help others, especially our young people at the church, to encourage them, even though they're singing the new upbeat, at least I can share with them how we 
were reared and how we learned, you know, words of new songs that would encourage your heart, you know, going throughout the day. And my parents, my mother would sing. She could sing well. My father, I think I took after him. He couldn't hold a tune. So I think I fell in that category with him, but my mother was a songbird, so we would listen to her sing a lot of songs all the time. I mean, all the time. She really enjoyed singing, and she enjoyed sharing it with the entire family. So it has made an impact at our church. I have a nice little youth choir. I think it's about 18 or 20 young people, and they bring various songs to the church, and they learn them and sing them in their little choir, and so it's helpful. It's helpful to them. And me personally, as the young people, I also play the drum. I I play at the drum in a way. Uh, growing up, I played the uh, clarinet in school as a school program. You know, each child had a instrument they played. I played the clarinet and a little bit of the flute. So that's where I am today and trying to just teach others about music, even in the church world. You know, I'm focused really in the church world. Not that I don't listen to other music because you have to listen to our other young people singing and what they're singing about and that what they sing can be a blessing to them in their lifestyle. Um, Reverend, Reverend, I have a question. Like the impact, the the impact that that the music in the church has on the the kids. Are they enjoying being in the choir and being in the program, the church program? And and are there, is, is it a healthy thing to have kids in the choir? You know, and I want you to speak on that. Have kids in the choir and get educated and keep them off the streets and keep them, you know, away from. Uh, bad influences. Could you talk a little bit about uh, yes. that movement? Yes, it's very important, and I feel that it's very important for our young people to sing at the church, to play their instruments. We have young drummers coming up. We have young pianists coming up. And they get a chance at the church to exercise their gifts. And what happens, it keeps them off of the street where they bring some of their friends in to hear them play an instrument or to sing, and it helps them to help these other young people to stay off the streets. There's so much out there for them. And I want to say our young people, not only do they play instruments in the church, but sometimes even other songs, either classical, rock, R&B, they will bring some of the sounds and bring them into the church and you know, put music with that also. So I'm just so happy that we're able to help and to listen to our young people because this is very important. When we give them a, a chance at the church, they, that allows them to bring some of their friends to the church, to hear them sing, to hear them lead a song, or even to sing in the background. And it just it makes a great impact on their lives. And what it does also, it brings their family in, to bring in other family members in to hear what they can do. And sometimes young people start from the church, and they go into the secular world and sing, but as you know, they always come back to, well, I learned at the church. So I think it's a great impact that it has on our young people. So you see it as music as a form of creating community and by coming into the church, which is something which sure is very important to you as as you've chosen your work, that it's just that can become a ground of just bringing people together. So true, so true. And the role that they play in the church, it extends further than the church because they only have the weekend, maybe on Sundays and maybe one day during the week, but the rest of the week they're with the schoolmates, they're with their families. You know, we're talking about two days and maybe 
six hours at the church, you know, at the most, maybe six hours out of that, that full week. So all the other part of the week they're with their friends. So the impact that they make with their family and friends and young children it stems from the church also where they can bring their music to them and then those people that they're reaching, they bring their music in and they get to share with one another. And I think what it does, it keeps them focused on life and living and loving, you know, in their respective places, in their homes and, you know, around people. And then when they grow up and go on those jobs, they can look back over their lives, you know, because we have young teenagers now just getting in the workforce. But yet they can talk about what they've learned during the music in the church, and then if they get an opportunity in some other avenue, they can share that music, and they can also listen to other music. So it, it really helps them. I, I feel like it helps them, and that's why I am. That's one reason as a pastor and a shepherd, I want to focus on our young people to keep them involved, even in our music, because the music play a big role in our church. It really plays a big role, and we need these young people to play the music, sing the music, and to play their little guitars and play the drums and play the organ and the piano. It, it makes a difference. And, and, and you know what also i like to share with the Reverend and, and you, Ian, is, you know, like with the, with the school system that don't have instruments in their school, they can go to the church where, uh, Reverend Simon has uh, instruments there and shares it with the community. Because a lot of these kids don't have drums. They don't have an organ. They don't have a piano. They don't have a guitar. But those instruments are there where these kids can come in and learn, which is a great thing for the community. And I encourage other churches to, you know, continue that work because a lot of the children don't have instruments. So they can go to the churches and pick up an instrument or play the piano or, or play the drums. That is, that is so true. That is so true. And which we are fortunate at our church, we have a main organ and piano downstairs, but in the upper part of the church we have a piano up there, we have a drum set up there where they can practice on not on the regular church instruments, but those instruments that we have set aside for them to learn to play and to enjoy the music playing. And, and it's so important because the school's, some of the, not all of the schools, but some of the schools are not loaning those saxophones and those uh, clarinets, and they have the little drumsticks, and, and they, they're not loaning those anymore because of the uh, cost factor in the schools. So when they come to the church, they get an opportunity to use our our equipment and enjoy using it for their music uh, upward bound. Beautiful. Yes. Yeah, so. it, it, it's just beautiful. So what do you see as the future of music? And from where you are on that educational level, bringing people together into what's played on the radio today and who's going on tour and and how do you bring that together in just bringing and just bringing like the music that the kids are listening to at school, and what they're getting from the church, and how does that lead to just the future of just relationships with families? Well, I, I think that because they start very young, you know, I'm talking about young children. I'm talking about four, five, six years old. They're starting, and they're beginning to learn how to even just to hit the drum or to play a little song. And as they develop and grow, they, they are learning more and more. It's not just the music, but it's teaching them discipline. So when they're away from the church and they're in another setting, they know the discipline of how to listen to a song, how to listen to the instrument, how to develop themselves with other people of other uh, nationalities that, that may maybe our young people, maybe they're just playing the piano, whereas someone else may be playing the violin. 
You know, I had a sister that, that played the violin from a child. Matter of fact, she still plays it now. But it gives them a, a very opportunity to listen to others and learn from them as well. So when they grow up, when they are adults, it will put more discipline in their lives. They want to go to a symphony. They want to hear some music, you know, not just R&B, not just gospel music, but an array of different music where they can enhance their own learning and their own abilities. And then they can certainly share it with others. And I found out just young people listening to music, when they start, they're, they're learning how to count. I mean, it, it's more than just listening to the music. It's learning a beat. It's learning one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, or a staccato, or, you know, they're learning different different parts of the music, and it goes a long ways in their future because it, it not only brings the music, but it brings the discipline in their lives for them to go forward and to do a lot of things in life. And they can look back at that music, and that music will have shown them how to discipline themselves in other areas. Excellent. Well, well, we have our next guest on, so we'd like to thank you very much for joining us today and really just bringing just your unique, your unique outlook and just what you're doing. And we thank you, and we hope that your Giants win today. Okay, well, I've enjoyed talking and sharing today. Thank Glad you very much. Opportunity. Thank you very much. Ian and Brother Jay, just thank you very much. Keep doing the great work that you're doing, reaching out to these young children and these young parents, of course, and these young families. Keep up the good work. Appreciate you, and I'll be praying for you. And thank you. Stay here. Okay. Thank you. Okay, I say thank to both you of you. Much. Okay, live now. Live in the presence of God. Goodbye. Excellent. Have an excellent day. Thank you very right. much. You too. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. All right, let's bring on Monica. Monica, how oh. are you? Good, how are you? Excellent. Thank you very much for joining us today. Um, as I can see, you were listening for a little bit. Um, um, Monica, meet Jay. Jay, meet Monica. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Monica. Excellent. So, um, so tell us about your musical background, like the role that music plays in your life, past, present, and future. I wish I could say it was kind of like the Reverend, but it's not. Um, I grew up where music was on twenty four seven. My father literally can't go to sleep without music on, even to this day. Um, but it wasn't like listening to, well, of course, yes, I was obsessed with New Kids on the Block, but what girl wasn't in the 80s, early 90s? Um, but I grew up with the oldies. I grew up with the Beach Boys, the Archies, Richie Valens, and it, it really, it's, I don't, I'm not, I don't know if it shaped my life as much as it's made it that I can't do anything without that sort of music being on. Like, for example, I'm a photographer. And I have to have my headphones on with that music to take the great pictures. When I'm drawing, when I'm painting, that's the music I have on. And it's just, it's good, wholesome music. It's not like the stuff that's on now, which is good, but, I mean, is it really going to last in 50 years from now? Are people going to be like, oh, my God, Justin Bieber? Or are they still going to be like, oh, my God, Elvis? Right, 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 right. Bieber will go on tour 30 years from now in the same way the Backstreet Boys and the new kids on the block are going on tour. And we'll have that niche crowd of those girls who were in love with him back then. But, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like Elvis. It's like the Beatles. It's like time, timeless classics. Like, who was making like music the doors, now? Like the Rolling Stones, yeah. you know, like classic good music. They don't make music like they did then. You can't sit down and fall into the music and just spend an entire night listening to an album. Like, nowadays, you go on iTunes, you pick one song per album. I mean, the only album I can think of that every single song on it would be Fleetwood Mac. But, like, The Doors and Rolling Stones, you can just get into the music. I mean, yeah, people say you need drugs to do it, but you really don't. Like, you just, if you just listen to the music, and it's 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 powerful, and it can 
just give you an outlook on life of being relaxed and just letting things go with the flow and not worrying about every single little thing. Absolutely. Like, and just the fact that you brought up iTunes, where we're in a world where it's not album-based, where there are people who will just pick and choose and not get the whole document. Like, anytime I hear any song on the most part, any Pink Floyd song on the radio, it's just as wrong because it then goes to some other song and not the next song on the album. Yeah. Like, I mean, most albums these days, they don't have, like, every song is good. There's a few, you know, Lady Gaga has it. I mean, like, Fleetwood Mac, of course, is like the the king of, you know, every song on their album, their greatest hits was great. But, of course, it's their greatest hits. But if you look at, like, you need the experience of sitting down, listening to an entire album, and then making the decision whether or not you like it. And because of iTunes, you don't have that anymore. It's just, oh, I want this song because I've heard it on the radio, and you'll keep going, or you'll be like, oh, listen to a 30-second clip. And, of course, it's like the one part of the song that might not be the best, and but you're not getting the whole experience from one from 30 seconds of a song. You exactly. need the whole experience of an album. Right. Well, they they don't know anything about that anymore, uh, Monica. Um, I had a friend that he just wants to fill up his iPod. His whole like, his thing is like, whatever's new, I just want to fill my iPod up. <laughs> I mean, I do the same thing, but like, I miss being able to go into like a dirty, grungy record store like my father used to take me when i was little to tower records because i'm from new york city i mean unfortunately you don't have tower records anymore but it would be going down into the basement and going through the vinyls and i mean like i grew up where we had um a 45 so i mean i grew up with old music and and it was just hearing it on the original format was great but just the experience of feeling a vinyl in your fingers or buying or looking at cassette tape or looking at a cd you just you don't have that anymore. It, it Music is kind of like, it, it lost that somewhere, and I blame iTunes. Yes, it lost the, the concept album or the concept CD where it's a story and it's a world of its own, that is lost, and you're absolutely right. We don't have those great albums where all the songs piece, uh, put together to be like a story, you know, all the songs fit, they all, the topics all kind of goes together. People are just looking for that one big hit. <laughs> yeah. They don't care about the like, For example, example, Pink Floyd, like the the wall. I mean, that like if you just hear one song from the album, it's like, okay, but if you listen to the entire album, and then there's the whole thing of li- listening to it while you watch The Wizard of Oz, and just experiences like that, it's just, it's all gone. Right, right. I don't know if it's so much that's all gone, but in terms of a popular music and, and music business where where there were just so many where like the distribution channels were limited so that there there were ways to stand out like that. Now you've got infinite music. You've got you don't need to be signed to a major label to have a single out, but that doesn't mean the entire world's gonna know about it. Same with the artist. Like my opinion is I feel like this is a time where there is more music than ever, but because of like consolidation of like the major media players, the TV networks, the record labels, that's the record labels. Basic the record industry has kind of like died because of illegal downloads and then how iTunes has come to legitimize it. There's so much music out there; it's just sometimes difficult to find it. And to the I, fact I agree with you, experience. but can I ask you a question? Of the music sure. that's out there, how much of it, like, would you say is quantity versus quality? I'm sure a lot of it is quantity. I mean, the fact is, I can't even, I don't listen to so much traditional radio, but it's like the fact is, like, that Rebecca Black song has taken over the world, and it's not even because it's a good song. It was just because it was, like, a viral video gone crazy. My, don't talk to me about viral videos. My brother's doing that as well. I'm I'm scared I, I he's going to be. Oh, you saw my brother? You yeah, you posted on your Facebook. 
Oh no, that's just one. It was funny. I mean, he's done Tim McGraw. He's. I'm waiting for him to do Madonna. I mean, here's this religious Jewish guy doing yeah. karaoke, but he's actually getting better at it. It's kind of funny. That's why I'm worried that one of these days I'm going to go online and see it's viral, and be like, oh no. Okay, like a virgin, without a doubt. Yeah, I just put in. I was like, do material, girl, please. He could be like a virgin. That might be funny. I'll I'll, I'll let him know that. <laughs> like I I I once did that at karaoke one night, and I was ridiculed, and 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 I was it was never forgotten. But, but you use your acting voice. Yeah. He doesn't use his voice. That's the funny thing. It's like let's do a hat show, while I'll I'll like I'll. He, I think a part of it is I think subconsciously he's like making a like a statement against the artists now who do the they'll do a show and the whole thing they're lip syncing like but i don't know if he actually realizes that's what he's doing like i've been to many concerts lately and you can see that they're they're lip syncing and it's like come on we paid money to see you you have a talent use your talent yeah you, that's, 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 that's that's terrible that's terrible when they don't really sing but, you know, a lot of times the reason why, Monica, is because the late, well, I don't want to call them lazy, but when you don't rehearse and practice all your life, then you can't really get in front of people. Like, you know, the old artists, they didn't have lip syncing. So they had to actually sound good and had to practice. <laughs> but now, you know, you know one, one of my favorite groups is the Black Eyed Peas, but I know they're not great, great, great vocalists, you know. And right. I know they lip sync. I think listen, and people are so visual now. They don't want, they don't they've got you know, they don't care about the people's voice. Good example. Uh the other night uh, Pia lost on American Idol. She had the best voice I, on the show. Everybody was <laughs> talking about that. She had the best voice. I personally don't watch the show. I just listen I just look through the Facebook um comments. But look but the, at Usher. He has a great yeah. voice. And then look at that song I, I don't know the name of it that he has out right now. Like when he he sang it at maybe it was the Grammys, the VMAs, I'm not really sure, but ninety nine percent of it was actually just like a, a computer singing, singing for him, and he would just you could see when he would when he would sing, and then you'd see when he wasn't, but his voice was still going, but it was part of the whole experience. He has an amazing voice. He should use it. Right. Stop using the the boombox or sync box or whatever those things are called. Uh, yeah, they're using the wave files. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's an example. Most people don't want to really sing, you know. I just think you know uh, one of the last great persons that actually sung on stage was Michael Jackson, who really was oh, yeah, for you. Phenomenal. Yeah, so so they're, 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 that's gone. You know, the Tony Bennett. We were talking about Tony Bennett, somebody who really, really sings in front of you. Those days are gone. Everything's computerized. Everything is. Uh, we had the Rat Pack today. I don't. I don't think people would would like them. Like you know, Frank Sinatra and um, Sammy Davis Jr. You had all them singing. If they were singing today, I don't think they would be as popular as they were for when they were when they were at their prime because they didn't use anything but their voices. And people don't want that anymore. They want that computer, whatever. Auto-tune. Yeah, they 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 want like you know the um, the experience of like something more than just singing. They want entertainment more than they want the entertainment, but they want it to be from you know like Britney Spears practically stripping and straddling some stupid something. They want Lady Gaga doing something crazy. They don't want their voice anymore. They want the beat. Right. And that's and, and that's 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 a little sad because you know people need to respect the other arts, classical and musicianship and real vocals and and we need to you know we need to really really push that to our young people because they're you know they're getting. Hmm? No, I was just gonna say I live in Rochester now, and we have the Rochester Jazz Fest. It's supposed to be the largest jazz fest in the country, and I mean. The people that go is is astronomical, the amount of people that are there. Like a friend of mine, Aaron Kanata, he played while he was there. Phenomenal singer. Um, but 90% of the people there were adults, but they, they, they were bringing their kids. So hopefully the kids are learning to appreciate jazz music. Hopefully. 
I mean, I saw one or two with their with their headphones, and you know they're listening to something different. But at least they're being exposed to something that you don't see anymore, unless you go to like Union Square Park in the city in Manhattan, and somebody's playing a, a saxophone for some for some change. You don't get those experiences anymore. Right. You don't get the real the real deal anymore. Um, everything is has to be perfect. We live in a world of everybody has to be exactly perfect. They can't be flat. They can't be sharp, you know. Um, it's it's uh it's different. It's different. Um, well, what do you think about that, Ian? Um, this perfect world, this perfect musical world that that Monica's talking about, where everybody gets on stage and kind of pantomime and kind of fakes it. That's not real. I mean, I mean the fact like I've seen like fish a million times, because it's just a matter of just going on stage, just seeing musicians play music, not like having an experience that's unique to that and it's not about, okay, let's make this thing sound exactly what it sounds like on the radio so more people will want to buy this on the radio. Where if there's music to make money, then there's music as an art. And it's just like any art, it's about that fine line of, yeah, I'd like to make a living as an artist, but at the same time, where does it stop becoming an where does it stop becoming art and when does it start becoming work or just becoming like a factory of, okay, we need to do this much so we can make this much money for the quarter. I, I, I totally agree with you. Monica, also, check this out. A lot of these new artists, anybody can be an artist now, so a lot of these people aren't talented. You know, like, I'm like you know, they just, they need the robot. They need, so they, you know, they make, they just manufacture stars now. And they just manufacture them and put them out there. And a lot of these people aren't this talented. So, actually, you probably, if you really heard how they sound live, you'll probably walk out. Well, I mean, you can go right now, sit down at your computer with a webcam and just a headset and pick pick one any type of those sound machines, sound boards, and you can sing horribly. And then with just a few clicks, you can make yourself sound like Madonna. And it's it's just scary that now... You know, like, I am an artist, I'm a photographer, and it's constantly like, okay, am I doing, am I taking a photograph for myself as a picture, like something that I want to show to my friends and enjoy, or is it something that, okay, I have to sell it because I need money for, you know, this month's bills, and it is a fine line, like, I totally agree, but it's sad that anyone can do it now, and there's more, I mean, you have so many great bands out there that work so hard, and they never get seen, and they're phenomenal. Then you have bands like Ludo, artists like Ani DeFranco, who they're great and they're adamant that they won't sell out. But the question is, when are they're sooner or later? They are going to have to sell out. Like you never, you never would have thought you would have heard Ludo on the radio, and now you're here. And they said you'll never hear us on the radio. We will not, we will not sell out. And now you're hearing them on the radio. They had no uh-huh. choice because they're going up against all these people that have no talent. And they have to, and it, it's a shame. Yes. So, what about you when you um, when um, when you grew up? Did you have to uh, fight over the radio in the car with your parents? No, this, it, we stayed on one station. We we stayed on one hundred one point one, and listened to cousin cousin Brucey. Um, it used to be the only oldie station in New York City. Then they took it away for a while, and now it's come back. Um, and that was all. That stayed on. You didn't touch anything else. I mean, like when I was going to school or something, the bus driver would have on the new music, and that's how I heard it. Like would listen to Tiffany, Debbie Gibson. I'm kind of giving my age away. Um, <laughs> and New Kids on the Block. And I mean, what I had to get was if I wanted to listen to my own music, I got this thing called a pocket rock uh, rocket. And what it was is you put this little. I do, do you remember my those things? Yeah. yeah. And you used to put these little mini cassettes in, and you would listen to, like, on one song would be a new song, and then on the other side would be, like, a song that was on the radio, and on the other side would be a song that you would hear on the radio in two, three months. So I had, on mine, I had only one tape, and on one side it had Walk Like an Egyptian, and on the other side it had Video Killed the Radio Star. So that was all I ever would listen to if I didn't want to listen to what my father was listening to. But I loved the music because from the time I was in my mother's womb, that was the only music I ever heard. Like the Beach Boys, the Beatles, 
like the Rolling Stones. My it was my mother and my father who really fought over wow. the what they were going to listen to because he liked the classic oldies and she liked the 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 rock. Monica, did they ever take you to any concert events or like you know did you got did you did you go to any concert with your mom or your dad or any? Or well, my mother or any? died when I was a ba- my mother died when I was a baby, so I'm not sure about her. But my father attempted to go to Woodstock, um, but he was too young. Okay. He was going to run away and go. Well, with me, the first concert I ever saw was the Beach Boys at the Erie County Fair in Buffalo. Um, but then the first concert I saw by myself was. Um, would be who was it? It was Weezer and Toad the Wet Sprocket and uh oh. Rusted Root. And at the time I hated Rusted Root. I was like, Oh, they're horrible and now everyone's like, Oh my god, I love them And that was my first real concert that I went to. I, I saw it at Irving Plaza in, in Manhattan and it was phenomenal mm-hmm. and the whole experience just was it was different than going and seeing like the bands I grew up with at a county fair. You know, okay. you're in, like, this dark, dingy place, and it, it totally, I was prepared for it, but at the same time, I was taken aback. Do you remember what the ticket prices were back then? I'm just comparing them to now. <laughs> seven, seven dollars. Oh, my so goodness. Wow. It was general <laughs> admission. Can you, fish, fish? Can you go see fish for seven dollars, Dan? Is that, <laughs> I saw Mike Gordon for 15, but No. Well, I saw Fleetwood Mac for $10 at Jones Beach, but that was just getting lucky oh. with the $10 sale. But nowadays, tickets are, are start at, what, $30 and up for, like, nosebleed seats. Yes, yeah. and it even depends on the concerts. It's like, for example, it's like there are those bands where, like, for example, the Rolling Stones or someone who it's like, I'd like to see at least once, but like their their nosebleeds are like over a hundred dollars. I know, like Billy Joel starts at a hundred and sixty for a nosebleed. Like I've met him in real life, but I want to see him sing. You know, like that's one thing I want to see, and you, like you just can't afford the tickets anymore. Right. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. I mean, at least there's always StubHub where these scalpers sometimes get screwed because they don't have. Because the demand just does not match the the prices, that prices fall. Like how, yeah. Like if you want to get, if you want to go to a base, a Yankee or Mets game this month in April, like tickets start at three bucks. Wow. I, I wonder if we could do something, you guys, like this, like rent a seat. Like, okay, I'll pay fifteen of the thirty bucks for the first half of the show and an intermission the next first. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, so everybody can see. You might not see the whole show, but you get to see half the show, and you split the cost. You know, maybe they can start doing some like zip cars or something. You know, you rent the car, cars, zip concert. <laughs> a, a friend of mine has a Yankees uh, season tickets, and his seats are they're like three rows from the field, and he he rents them out all the time. And honestly, he gets three, four hundred dollars a pop each time because people will pay that because they want to see him. Yet here in Rochester, for fifty-two dollars, you get um, you get front row seats for the Amherst, which is the their minor league hockey, and you're getting food. Wow! So it's like it's like okay, fine. Like go, you can see your pro, and I'm gonna see the minor because one day those minor players are gonna be pro, and I can say I saw them when they were. On a bad team, <laughs> for a lot cheaper. You saw them before they were big, and you knew who they yeah. were. You're like, oh wow, they're big! Wow, I knew them before you did. Ha ha ha! Be like, <laughs> I have pictures, and then those those photographs are worth tons of money. <laughs> right, right, right. Monica, do you play an instrument? Do you play anything? I play a harmonica, but I got my tongue pierced when I was eighteen, so I can't play anymore. Because um, it's in the way, and then when I take it out, I have a hole in my tongue, so it messes up the, it messes it up. But my uncle had taught me, because he was big into blues, and he's like, "I'm going to teach you how to play a, har- a harmonica." It was a big joke because it was Hanukkah, so they said, "Happy Hanukkah, Monica! Here's a harmonica." Um, <laughs> it's still people still joke about it, but so I do. I I used to play it. Um, I tried learning the piano, and um, the, the teacher was like, your fingers are too short. You're, you'll never play. 
and I tried learning a recorder, and my father got a headache every time I would practice, and he broke it. He was like, that's it. No recorder for you. So I went instead to drawing and photography. Well, <laughs> it's, a, it's a quiet activity. What do you think about the photographers and all the, the you know, the, the the programs that they use where they, you know, enhance the pictures? Do you do any of that? Is that part of is that is that good or is it bad? You know, because it's art. It is an art, and unfortunately, like I mean, I live in Rochester now. Kodak it, it was created in Rochester. The East, the George Eastman House, who is the creator of Kodak, is here. We have the largest um, photo archive in the world, and so I'm surrounded by like you know these phenomenal photographs of like you know I mean epic things that we'll just never be able to get photographs of these days. And the problem is that now that they're downgrading the use of film and paper, you're having more and more to rely on the computer. And, I mean, I I wish I could call myself a purist, and for maybe 50% of my photography, I don't touch anything. But for the other 50%, I have to tweak this, tweak that, or, you know, maybe a friend wants something done crazy, so then I really have to use it. But I try not to, but unfortunately... You kind of have to now due to the fact that it's almost impossible to find a dark room unless you build it in your own house or are a student at a school where they have a great photography lab. Is it better? Is the resolution of the photos better if you if you do it yourself in a dark room? Is that is that more? I think I think it is. I really okay. do. I mean, yes, a computer can do ten times more than what we can do in a dark room, um, but I, I I just think like. Something about doing it in a dark room just makes it more of a beautiful photograph because you're showing your work in it, like that you actually took the time, you waited for per process, you waited for the developing to be done, you did it just right with the machines, and then I mean, like I, but I, all my cameras now are digital. I have the point and shoots that are like you know from a hundred years old. I have my Kodak 404, which is older than God itself, <laughs> but. Like, I can't use them because I can't find the film. And then if I do oh. use the film, it's going to cost me God knows how much to get it delivered. I mean, just to get it developed. You have to send it off to someplace. And they're going to send you back pictures that, you know, they photocop- they um, print it off of a, a inkjet, inkjet printer. So it's just, it's kind of sad that the photo world is no longer what it used to be. Everything has to be okay. instant. So my my other question is, like with pictures and music, a lot of music you can download for free. Is that the same thing with pictures where people are not paying for the product and they're getting oh, all these pictures Big time. Yeah. I mean, like what you have to do now, and you actually have to buy a what's called a watermark and put it on your photograph so that way if somebody right-clicks it and and does copy and puts it or drags it onto their uh, desktop, when they open it, it's going to have over the whole picture huge, like a name that says, like, you know, the artist's name or something. So that, But it's made in a way that if you go into Photoshop, you can't delete that without ruining the entire picture. Um, if you go on Flickr, and if you go on Flickr, which a lot of photographers use to, to put up their photographs, because it's a great site, it's not that expensive, um, you have an option to click where people cannot copy it and paste it, but you have to pay for it. So it's okay. kind of like if you want to protect your work, you got to pay for it now. So that's the same thing with the music business, where people yeah. are. Yeah. So it, ha- it has it has deteriorated the photo world too. That it has done the same damage, where people have taken your work and just use it for free. Don't give you a call. Don't email you. Don't don't even donate and just use your stuff for free. And that's well, it. I I had that happen to me. Somebody made a guide to um, New York City. And I had this great photo of a gorilla from the Bronx Zoo because they like me and they come up to the camp, to the window and we have fun. And I have this great portrait. And they used it and because it had been in my Flickr, but it wasn't in my private. It was like it was public, but I hadn't clicked the whole. You know, you cannot use it. I just it was an oversight. They put it in their guide. And then when I spoke when I spoke to the person who did it, she was like, "Sorry, you didn't put anything on saying I can't use it, so I used it." And here she is, like selling this guide that people are buying, 
using my artwork, my my photograph, and not and I'm not even getting credit. You know, the hell with money. I'm just oh. not even getting credit for it. But that's the life of a photographer. It's the life of a musician. It's the life of the only ones who are lucky are painters. If you do comics, they might get stolen. If you do paintings and if you do drawings and you put them online, they're going to get stolen. The only people who are safe are painters because <laughs> you well, can't you really know. steal a, paint, a painting without actually going and breaking and entering. <laughs> so that's what the digital world has done to music and what it has done to any creativity out there is made accessibility. Yeah, even, even books. Like, look at what happened to um, Stephanie Myers, who's writing the Twilight books. Like, she was writing the, the the fifth book, which would have been, it was called, what was it called, Midnight Sun. And it was supposed, it's supposed to be a, from the same exact book as Twilight One, but from Edward's point of view. And she had showed it to her friend, and her friend put it up online. And now the entire world got the first 100 pages of that book. And she had said, she's not going to write it now, what's the point? But now she's writing it, she said. But, like, you have to be so careful. Right. It's just sad. Wow, so what, what, do you, what do you think about the future of, of music and where are we going to go in for the future? Like you said, you when you're taking pictures and you're doing your work, you have the headphones on. So what do you see us in 20 years, maybe? You know, what do you think? What they, where are we going? Yeah. Um, Where are we going? It, it, it's, a, it's, like, it's funny because I asked my father this question when I went with him to the Met. I said, what do you think is going to be in the museums in 20, 50 years to show what our generations had, you know, done for the, done like huge? What do you think we're going to see in 100 years? And he just kind of looked at me and was like, Facebook? And I knew he was joking, but, <laughs> like, we really don't have that much stuff that in 100 years is going to be huge in, like, these museums. It's going to be, everything's going to be related to computers and things like that. Wow. Um, and I think that's I think that's what's going to happen with music too. It's going to become more and more digitalized, not in the sense of like you know going and getting it with your iPod, but the actual sounds are going to be more digitalized. I have a feeling we're going to go back to the '80s with using that. If you, you know what I mean by the '80s, like that music, like that TiVo used. Uh huh. I think that's what we're go, we're going towards. Okay. Okay. And I think a lot of more. I think the music industry is going to be starting to take a lot of, of kids on more, like um, that Frangelico girl who does opera, who is on um, You've Got Talent. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. She's got CDs out now, and I think that just they're going to start using children because they last longer. You get just uh, if their voice doesn't change, hopefully, and you can get more out of them. And it's just going to be more using the computers, making the voices different. And then when you hear them live, you're going to be like, what are they, uh, what is this? Like, I went to Warp Tour and saw, um, what's their what's the group's name? I can't remember their name. But I love them in, uh, like, when I listen to them on my iPod, the ones that sing Don't Trust Me, um, 303. I heard them live, and I was like, oh, you guys sound horrible. And then I listened to their music on my iPod, and I was like, oh, yeah, because all of this is digitalized. And I think that's where we're going. It's unfortunate. Okay. I don't think I don't think we're going to go back to, like, good classic acoustic music or, you know, having five, five pieces. Mm-hmm. We're going to have more just solo artists with their backup digitalized singing. And we're going to – we're going to love it, but – it's well, Monica, we're, 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 we're running out of time here. <laughs> sorry about that. Don't be no, sorry. It's been a great chat. Thank you so much for joining us. Jay, you have any final thoughts? No problem. Thank you, Monica. Just, Thank you so much. And just keep you, listening you to the music is only thought. <laughs> and you guys well, have a great day and a happy Friday. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you, Monica. Okay, have Thank a good you. day. Bye. All right, bye. Thank you, Jay. It's been a great show. You said you have an announcement at the last minute? Uh, Yes, I'm going on a retreat next week, so unfortunately I might not be able to be here, so we might have to skip next week for our show. We'll let you know what is your treasure.net, and hope to see you in the following week.
Thank you, everyone. You have an excellent day. Thank you, and have a thank you for joining us.